Um, my mind goes to series modes and, and different things. So we're fixing to start a series on being able to overcome or to rise above or to how to have a life that, that allows you to rise above the norm. How, how do it, and we'll title it down the road here in a few services, but just the understanding of, of what things do I need to add to my life to make my life keep going upward. God's going to do His part. God's going to do His. He's not going to fail you. But the question is, what do I have to bring? What do I have to do on a daily basis, on a regular routine, to make my life move forward? And this first one we're going to deal with is, is pretty simple. It's just simply being able to set your attitude. This is, of all the, the, the attributes that you'll have, in fact, even the things that I'll be dealing with has to do with attitude. All the other sermons will deal with attitude just in a different way. How I deal with circumstances, how I deal with problems, how I deal... But ultimately, the first thing that has to be registered and has to be established is attitude. Let me just give it to you in phrases that people have said through the years and, and notable people, and here's what they've said. Winston Churchill, attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. Zig Ziglar said it this way, your attitude, not your aptitude, will determine your altitude. Edwin Hubbard said, said it this way, character is the result of two things. So if you say, man, I want my character to be good. I want my character to be better. Well, here it is. Character is the result of two things. Mental attitude and the way you spend your time. That's the two things that will determine your character. What you're thinking about, what you, what you set your attitude on, and then what you do with your day every single day. Another one says it this way. Albert Einstein says, Weakness of attitude becomes weakness of character. Ralph Marston said it, Excellence is not a skill, it's an attitude. Charles Swindoll says it this way, a great pastor, You cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. You, you get it? It's, it's the only thing you got. You can't determine hair on your head. You can't determine whether you're going to be bald or you're going to have a full head of hair at 60, 70, 80. You, 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 can't, you can't determine height. You can't determine when you're going to die. You, can't, you, you may say, oh, I got it. I'm, I'm in control. I'm working out. I'm doing this. You can't determine anything. There's only one string you play on every single day, and that is choosing the attitude that you walk around with. I love this one. Lou Holtz, who was a football coach, said it this way. Ability is what you're capable of doing. So when somebody looks at you and says, man, you got a lot of ability. Well, that's a good thing. That's what you're capable of doing. Motivation determines what you do. So if, you're, if you've got ability and motivation, then you're going to be busy. But here's what he says. Ability is what you're capable of doing. Motivation determines what you do. But attitude determines how well you'll do it. Attitude is the key. John Maxwell said it this way. People may hear your words. And this is so true. People may hear your words, but they will feel your attitude. You ever been around people that, that they look at you like, I love you. And you're like, yeah, I don't know about that. Hey, I got your back. I don't know if I'd trust you. Why? Because you can say anything, but your attitude is what will determine how people feel about you, how people will trust you. Your attitude has a, its own aura. It has its own, own presence. When you walk into a room, your attitude radiates throughout the room, and it either brings the room up or it brings the room down. Anybody believe that? Some of y'all work with some people. So I'm not going to say married to, but just say you work with some folks. You know some folks like that. They walk in the room and it's like, boy, the atmosphere just went. Or the atmosphere, like, man, I like it when they're around. Man, they just make the whole play. Your attitude is one of the most powerful things you have. And understanding that and not giving that away, 
One person said it this way. He said, you may lose everything in life. You may lose all of your ability. You may lose your money. You may lose this. But there's one thing that can never be taken from you. It has to be given. And that is to determine what your attitude will be. It's the only thing sometimes you've got. Now, saying that, I want us tonight to go to the book of Philippians. Because in the book of Philippians, there's a guy by the name of Paul. And he's probably the best guy to write about this. And Paul is writing the book of Philippians, and and the crazy thing about the book of Philippians is it's called the book of joy. It's it's the book of encouragement. It's the book that is supposed to make you feel good. And the guy that's writing it is in jail. The guy that's writing it is in prison. In fact, he has been in prison for quite a while. He got arrested several years ago. Spent a couple years there and then, then went to Caesarea by the sea and spent a couple years there until finally he got a ship. Oh, great, I finally get a ship. I'm going to Rome. And we know how that turns out in the book of Acts. He starts to sail. The ship breaks apart, ends up shipwrecked on an island. Not only is he shipwrecked, but a few moments later he's snake bit. I mean, this is the guy that's writing the book of joy. He finally gets to Rome, and there in Rome, he writes and tells them that, look, right now, I'm handcuffed every day between two guards. I'm under guard every single day. In fact, they rotate, and I'm never at a moment where somebody's not chained to me. For two years, he's in Rome to do this, and while he's doing this, the whole thing is he knows in his mind, I'm waiting for my court date. I get to see Nero. Now, you know what Nero thinks of Christians. So Paul knows what's coming. Paul's like, I'm waiting for my court date so they can hurry up and kill me. But at least I will have seen Caesar and I will have witnessed to Caesar, which is what God told me I was going to get to do. This is his life. He's writing this book, going through everything he's been through, and he writes this book now knowing what's coming in the future. And he writes this book sometimes to Timothy, and the last book that he'll write is Timothy and others, and he'll say, oh, I hope I get to see you, or, or, or I hope this. And finally, by 2 Timothy, he says, the time of my departure is at hand. He understands what's going on. He's not delusional. And in the middle of all of this, he sits down and he pins a letter to the Philippian church. He writes a letter to the people of Philippians. And one of the most powerful parts of this is in chapter 4, beginning at verse 4. And I want us to look at what the Apostle Paul would tell us. Because if we're going to learn from somebody, we can't learn from anybody better than Paul how to keep the right attitude in the middle of all your problems. So unless you're fixing to go back to jail after service, and over the last several years you've been in jail, been snake bit, been shipwrecked, been beat with sticks, been ridiculed, knowing that, you know what, I'm on death row already. Unless you're there, let's just say Paul has a little rougher time than you do. Sometimes we think, my life's tough. Until you start to look at somebody and you're like, well, it ain't that bad. At least I'm going home tonight. At least when I lay in the bed, I'm not chained to some ugly big guy with a sword in his hand. At least I got a little something going on. So Paul is the perfect person to look at us and say, let me tell you about how to keep the correct attitude. Let let me show you what it takes to maintain attitude attitude in the middle of life and how to sustain it and what you have to do mentally, emotionally, just like we've read about these other authors who said this, there's stuff we got to do mentally, there's stuff we got to do physically, there's stuff we have to do to make sure our attitude stays right. And here's what he says, Philippians 4 verses 4 and 5, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. 
Here's the first thing that you've got to do, no matter what's going on, no matter what's happening, no matter what, what your life went through today, no matter, no matter what somebody said about you, no matter what good, what bad, Paul said, I've learned in whatever condition, whether good, bad, I've learned to be. Here's what you've got to decide. I am going to rejoice, period. I am going to just, re- bro, I don't know if I have anything. Find something. Paul says, here's what I'm rejoicing in. The Lord is at hand. One way or the other, either he's coming to me or I'm coming to him. But you know what? Me and him are fixing to get to meet. He said, at least I got that coming. That's why later he will write, whether I live or whether I die. If I live, it's to Christ. If I die, it's all gain because I get to see him. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, I have picked out things in my life. I have determined that I am going to rejoice no matter what's going on. I have decided that when I wake up in the morning, from that moment on, I am going to rejoice. I am not going to roll over. And it's like, oh, no, another day. Oh. I've already decided that my attitude will be set. And it's set on praise. It's set on rejoicing. It's set on giving Him praise. It's set on lifting Him up. It's set on raising Him high. It's set on that. That sounds simple, but it's not easy to do, is it? Because we get bumped around all during the day. We get, we get things said to us or things we read on the news or things that happen. And then the world tries even harder to knock that out of you so that you become critical like they are. Breaking news. And it's never good breaking news. And then you get on the phone, oh, did you hear about such and such and such? Now you're going to spread it to somebody else and steal their rejoicing. Paul said, listen to me, set your parameter for rejoicing. He said, the reason I'm able to be here in Rome, the reason I'm able to endure, the reason I'm able to do what I'm doing is because I have set my abilities on rejoicing. In fact, he, has, he says in Rome, Romans, the book of Romans, he said, basically, I have already won people to the Lord because of this. I, 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 the people, and think of it this way, he had rejoiced so long and got so used to this He didn't see himself as chained to anybody. He saw it as some poor, unlucky Roman soldier gets to be chained to me today. Boy, I hate you got stuck with me today. Because all I'm going to do is tell you about Jesus all day long. All I'm going to do is sing psalms all day long. And you can't touch Paul because he's a Roman citizen. So the Roman can't touch him. He can't bother. He just has to sit there all day and hear Paul talk about how good God is. Hey, would you like to hear a story about a shipwreck? Hey, would you like to hear a story about a snake bite? Hey, would you like to hear a story about how God can raise you from the dead? I heard about a guy once. I don't know exactly who it was, but I've heard the story that there was this guy who went to the third heaven and saw things he shouldn't see, and God raised him up. I was in one of those situations, and God raised me up after they had stoned me to death. I came back to life and went to the next town preaching. No, you didn't do it. Oh, yeah, that's what I did. This is what he did all day long, just sharing with whoever was chained to it. I got to go. Well, too bad. I hate you got to go. Who's next? He's already decided, I am going to rejoice. Now, what would you do if you were in that position and somebody was handcuffed to you? And they looked over at you and said, man, I sure hate you're here. I know, me too. I don't even deserve this, man. I didn't do anything wrong. Now, I know you probably wouldn't do that. I'm just saying I would probably do this. Not you. You would be like, praise God. But Paul said, if you want to come above your circumstances, if you want to come above your situation, because when you talk to people every single day, this is the way most people are going to talk to you. You ask them how they're doing. How you doing? And their mindset is here. Pretty good considering what I'm dealing with. Right? Pretty, I, I'm doing pretty good, brother. Like, you know, considering all I'm under. I know 
maybe next time when somebody says that, you kind of point your finger like, aha. Because we catch ourselves every single day not rejoicing above it, but just settling under it. Considering what I'm going through, I guess I'm doing pretty good. Considering what I'm dealing with, considering how I feel, considering what's going on. But Paul said, listen, don't set your life on what you're considering. Set it on rejoicing. And that's a choice. This, everything I'm going to teach over these next five or six weeks, five weeks or so, it is a choice. It's not something that you just spiritually, just all of a sudden, bam, I got it. It is a wake up tomorrow morning, brand new day. <sighs> I used to say the poem all the time. I said, Lord, so far today, I'm telling you, I have not sinned. So far today, I've not said a cuss word. So far today, I've not got mad at my wife. So far today, God, I am so thankful because, because I have not yelled at my kids. So far today, I have not done anything wrong. So far today, I, 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 I'm telling you, God, I have it all together. But God, in about three minutes, I've got to get out of bed. And I'm going to need a lot of help after that. You ever lay in bed like that? Like, if I could just stay right here, I can keep it together. But you can't. You have to choose to get up. You have, and choosing your attitude is what Paul says is the first step. Number one, you must make a conscious choice to rejoice. It has to be a conscious choice to rejoice. you you got to consciously choose to put it on praise and worship on your radio when you're like, I don't feel like praise and worship. Do it anyway. You just have to, you have to make yourself get used to that is the attitude I'm going to have. Let, let me show it to you in Habakkuk. Go with me to Habakkuk. And he's writing during a really bad time of exile. He's writing in a really bad time where Israel has been in captivity. Things have been destroyed. I mean, everything is, it's, it's just horrible. And here's what Habakkuk says in 3, 17 and 18. Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, well, that sounds good, doesn't it? And the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. He said it's not a feeling. If you were to walk by me right now, I don't have anything that makes me feel like rejoicing. He said, when I look around, everything that I used to think would make me rejoice, the fields are ready, the flock is good, man, we got food, we got this, we got nothing is there. But I'm going to tell you something, even when I don't have any of those things, my rejoicing is not my feelings, it is my choice. I choose to rejoice. I choose to give God praise. I choose to accept that God is the one that will save me. And God is the one that will come through. He's the one I'm going to brag on. Even though I don't see it. And even though I don't understand how it's going to happen. He's the one I'm going to rejoice in. So number one. Paul says you have to make a choice. Just go ahead and tell your face. Practice in a mirror tonight. Just like. Just practice. I am going to choose a good attitude tomorrow. I may scare people to death with how my attitude has changed. They're going to say, what got into you? Nothing yet. But it's a coming. Number two. You bring then all your cares to him. Because if, if you're going to rejoice... If you're going to do this, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to feel the pressure of it. That's why we don't do it. It's easier to just settle in to the, to the weight of it than it is to try to stay on top of it. When we go running, and the guys go running with me, this is, this is kind of my, my motto. I'm getting older, so I don't run all the time. So what I do is I tell them, I said, 
when we find a hill. Every time we find a hill. So, man, we're going downhill. If we're just on level ground, it's like, oh, it's so good. It's so good. We're just walking. We're just walking. It's like, man, this is good. And then all of a sudden, I look over and they'll look over at me. There's a hill. That means I got to drop my head. I got to raise my head. I must, at those moments, position myself in a way that I can go. I must position myself in a way I'm going to get over what's going on. So if I've decided I'm in the right attitude, I'm going to smile through this thing, then I also must position. When I'm running up the hill, here's what I do. I, I bend forward, and I have this one saying that I, head down, knees up, head down, knees up head down, and it sounds crazy, but if you go up a hill like this, it's going to hurt. If you'll just drop your head and just focus on, and don't even look up, don't, don't get all distracted by just, just, just pump it out. Before you know it, you're there. That's what prayer, that's what casting all your cares on Him does. Notice how the Apostle Paul says this in, in verse 6 of Philippians 4. In Philippians 4, verse 6, here's what he says. Be anxious. Got to restart it. Okay, let me just read it to you. I got it written. Philippians 4 and 6 says, Be anxious for nothing. In other words, when I see the heel coming... If I look at it and I'm like, oh man, I gotta get to. Then you know what it does? It's like, I'm not gonna make it. I'm not, there's no way. I'm, my legs are killing me. So be anxious for nothing. Don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. Don't spend a whole lot of time meditating on it. Get in the right position. Here's what he says Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, head down. Knees up. Look at the person beside you and say, head down, knees up. Prayer is head down. Supplication is knees up. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Here's what he says. So this is, this is the way I move in. Verse 6, this is how I move into this mindset of what God has called me to do. So I pray about everything and I worry about nothing. Pray about everything, head down, and I don't worry about nothing. As long as my head is up looking at it all the time, then anxiety... When people say, Brother Lot, I'm anxious. It's real easy to fix. You're just not dumb enough yet. You just need to get dumber and you'll be fine. Because a child, he just takes off, does stuff. You know why? Because he's dumb. That's not a bad thing. He just means he has no idea he could get hurt on that thing. Is there anything you, you see now, like, like you'll see now that you think back, I did that. And then if you thought your child might do that, you'd be like, no way. Me and my brother Trent, literally, we used to have giant fruit jars, like tea jugs. And we would catch snakes in them. Trent would walk in the water, and I'd walk along the bank, hitting the thing. And when a snake come out, he'd suck it up in the fruit jar. We'd put it in there and watch it bite inside the jar for a while, finally pour it out, beat it to death, go get another one. If my kid would have come in the house and said, Dad, I need a fruit jar. What for? I'm going to go snake catching. No, you're not. No. No, you're not. That, that's, that's not going to happen. I mean, I could tell you some, some crazy stuff we used to do when, when we loved rain. Because rain meant the creeks rise. That meant you could throw a log into the water and go a half a mile to a mile down the water just if you hang on to that log. 
You didn't have to go to no ride. I never had to go to no Six Flags or anything. You throw that log in and hang on for dear life. I'm not letting my kid do that. Head down. If you keep your head up, anxiety will eat you to death. In everything you have problems with, pray about it. Get your head down. Take your mind off of it. Put your mind on how powerful God is. Head down. Oh, I got this problem. Head down. I got this heel coming. Head down. And, and when I do this, when I pray about everything and worry about nothing, then I can know that God promises peace. Go to Philippians verse 7 now. Listen. Be anxious for nothing. But in prayer and supplication, and notice what happens. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding. I, I, I hate this scripture in some ways because we use it for salvation. You ever hear, hear like, like, what do you get when you get saved? I get the peace of God. No, you don't. You can be a Christian sitting here today and be... Anxious as can be. Be like, why don't I have peace? Because it's not hooked to your salvation. There's a peace that comes because I know I'm not dying and going to hell. There's a peace that comes from knowing I'm not a sinner anymore. But peace through my troubles of life doesn't just go away because I got saved. That goes away because when a heal comes, I do what? Say it out loud. Head down. That's, that's how it happens. As soon as Daniel in the Bible, as soon as the king passed the law, it says, can't pray anymore, can only pray to me. What did Daniel do first thing? Head down. Went home, opened his windows. Look at any place in the Bible. doesn't matter if it's David at Ziglag. And his wife and his kids and everybody's been taken away. And we love to just jump to, David went back and got all of it and restored and got his people back and did it. Yes, but what's the first thing he did? First thing he did was look over to his service and said, bring me the ephod. And David sat down in the ash and put it over his head and prayed. Don't skip this. Don't, don't skip it. When you see the heel, don't just like, oh, here we go. No, no. Pray. Prepare yourself. And God says what I will do then. And the peace of God which surpasseth all understanding. How are you able to get through that? How are you able to endure that? Paul, how are you able to handle shipwrecks? How are you able to handle all the beatings you went through? The ridicule. How have you been able to handle being in prison all these years? How are you handling all this? He said, it guards your heart. And minds through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what this is what happens. So number one, if I can if I can consciously make a choice, I am going to rejoice. I am getting up. I am excited. I I am going to do this. And then when I hit a hill in life, my head goes down in prayer. My movement just chops, chop. Chop, chop, chop. Let's just chop it down. Keep moving forward, Tim. Don't quit. Keep the right attitude. Keep moving. Keep praying. And in the middle of it, God, His peace, which passeth understanding, will flood your soul. I know it sounds crazy, but it works in real life just like it does in any other one. God made us this way. I know this sounds crazy. This morning, we had to go do some running. And so, so me, and, me and the guys, the staff, we meet it there at 7.15. At 6.30, I'm like, oh, I'm still in bed. I'm like, <laughs> thinking to myself, I'm going to text and say, I don't know if I'm going to make it today. But I'm like, you can't do that. You got to get up. You can't. Ugh. 
I just want y'all to know, I don't wake up like just, just like, praise God. It doesn't work that way. I wake up like everybody else. Oh, oh, I'm hurting. I didn't know I had a spot there. And it's like, okay, God, let's do this. Let's, let's do it. God's like, all right, Tim, bring it, son. Whew. All right, let's do this thing. Let's do this thing. Put your running clothes away. It, it, I'm getting there. We get there, man. I'm, I'm like, let's do it. Let's do it. We're, we're gonna. It, my, my body's hurting. I'm like, we got to do it. Come on, man. We got to make this thing. We got, we got four, four miles to run today. We got to get this thing. We got to get it. We got to get it. We get started, and I'm like, oh, oh, oh. you all right, Pastor? I'm fine. Fine, man. I'm telling you, just getting warmed up. And a crazy thing happens that as we start and we start laughing or talking and as we just kind of doing it together and we, before long you don't realize you're, you're going over hills. And you're, the funny thing is we'd run the four miles, we got all the way back, we're tired and we get to this last, the last of it's like almost a, about a quarter mile straight uphill, it's just, just a quarter mile of it. That's how it ends. We get to it, and I, I looked over, and I said, I said, a lot of times I just can't run this one no more. I'm wore out. And one of the guys just kind of took off jogging, and all of a sudden it's like, <clears throat> so I lower my head, and I start jogging, and then I look beside me, and the other one's jogging. And, and, and before long, we're all coming up that hill together. Everybody's heads down. Nobody's talking. Nobody's laughing no more. It's just, it's like, okay, I'm just, and I you know, glance up every night. Oh, not there yet. Not there yet. Keep that head down. Don't get discouraged. And before you know it, you're finished. You've made it. And what you thought was going to kill you when you get to the top, the funny thing is, then you're just laughing, talking. You weren't about to die. You just think you are. But in the moment, you think it, don't you? It's amazing watching those people run races. They'll finish the race. You think they're just going to collapse because they gave it all they had. They die. No, they're, they're like, uh, and then a few seconds later, oh, oh man, great job, good job. They're over hugging each other and, and, and eating a banana. And, and I'm like, you still had a lot of energy left. Yeah, you did. But you got to have the right attitude. You've got to bring it all because he cares. And it changes, it changes the dynamic of life. It puts you above the problem. Number three, you have to, you have to reject then any thought, any kind of thinking that comes in your mind that is negative. Because somebody's going to look beside you and say, we ain't got to do this. There's nobody watching us. There's nobody making us. Nobody forcing us. That's when you determine what's in you. Character is what you do when nobody's watching. When nobody can see. Here's how the Apostle Paul in verse 8 says you have to guard this because this stinking thinking this messed up thinking will hinder you. Finally, brethren, he says, you're doing it. You're doing it. You're running. Man, you got it going. You are, you are making it. Finally, let me give you this advice. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, Whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be anything praiseworthy, do what? Meditate on these things. I wonder how much Paul had to meditate every single day on, you know, I'm going to have to meet Nero soon. You know, I'm, I'm going to have to leave Timothy. You know, all these churches I've started, 
I wonder what's going to happen to him. Imagine all the thoughts that kept going through his mind that the enemy would bring. You know what's going to happen when you're gone. It's over. Everything you've been working for. Paul said, let me tell you something, guys. Even me sitting here right every day, chained to this guy, witnessing to people, doing it is still natural to have thoughts that come through your mind that are not good, that are not healthy. And let me go ahead and tell you all, it doesn't make you a sinner. It doesn't make you a bad person because you have a crazy thought every now and then. Your brain didn't come along in the salvation package. You were transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's how you renew it. You, you force yourself to think on good. When you have a crazy thought, it's like, no. Hey, let's just quit. No. What does it matter? No. Because just like Paul knows there's a judgment coming, and just like Paul knows there's a day coming when I'm going to give an account for who I am, us guys who are running, we realize in 10 days, we're fixing to do nine miles and 30 obstacles. And no amount of saying, well, I should have tried. No, no, it's too late now. You should have run that hill then. Because it's, there's no second chances then. And Paul is telling them, listen, you focus while you're running this race, while you're doing what you're called, while you're doing, you focus on the good. If you're a mom and you're, and you're loving your family and it feels like, man, none of these kids care. They don't feel like nobody appreciates what I'm doing. You meditate on the fact that I am raising good kids. I am going to see them healthy. I am going to see them one day married. I'm going to see them one day. You, you have to focus. You have to decide. I'm going to meditate on anything that's pure, anything that's good, anything. I'm not letting anything negative cloud me out because guess what? The first thing it's going to affect your attitude. It's going to drop you right back at the end of the cycle. Go with me to 2 Corinthians 10 and 5. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5. Here's what Paul says. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Let me give you some advice. Quit sitting in a room arguing with yourself. You give you some advice. Quit sitting in a room arguing with yourself. I don't know if I'm going. I don't know. It may not even work. You got to stop it. That's where the enemy loves to just sit down in a chair beside you and say, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about all that could happen. Let's talk about all that you don't deserve. Let's talk about all that went wrong. Let's talk about all that could... Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind me, I now have one go. I press toward that prize. I know what Paul is telling us is hard. He, he, is, he is a master at teaching this class. He has, uh, he's probably one of the greatest Christians to ever live in our... And he's the perfect person to look at you and say, guys, this ain't Pastor Lot telling you this. This, this is me. This is, this is the guy who wrote it. And I wrote it in jail, and I wrote it going through the problems, so don't feel like, well, I'm, you don't know what it's like. Oh, I know more than what it's like. Having the weight of all the church on my shoulders. Being the example for everybody. Number four. That means that I have to choose to walk by faith and not by sight. Go, let's continue reading in Philippians 4, picking up at verse 10. 
But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak regarding need, for I have learned at whatever state I am in to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry at the same time. Both to abound and to suffer need. And here's another phrase that we kind of pull out of context. I can do all things through Christ too. You see the context he's really using this in? While I'm running my race and while I'm going through this, it's not that, oh, I can, I can do anything. With no, Paul's chained. Paul's saying, I can make it through this. So you can only say that phrase in the, in the face of the mountain you're looking at that you've got to run up. You can only say that phrase when you tonight can look at your problem and say, God's bigger than that. God's going to get me through this. God's going to get me over this. So number four, you walk by faith and not by sight. You speak to your mountains. Jesus told the disciples, He said, if you have this kind of faith that we're talking about, You can speak to the mountain, and it has to move. If you have faith just as a mustard seed, and what he's talking about, he doesn't mean that it's just going to get up, grow legs literally, and walk away. It just means it can't stop you. It can't prevent you. It has to get out of your way. It's not big enough to override what I have determined for your life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens. Number five. Look at the person beside you and say, this is real important. Look at them again and say, number five, keep doing it. It's not enough to do it one day. And he'd be mean as a yard dog the next day. You can't, you can't look at somebody and say, well, I'm just having a bad day. No. No. You're just not walking in faith. However long you got to stay in the position until you can walk by faith, don't move. There's some mornings I have to sit there and it's like, Okay, God, I need a lot of extra prayer today. Today is not a good day. And God's like, I'm here. Pour it out to Him. What you anxious about? What's frustrating you? What's, what's, what's struggling? What, what's... And then there's some days I get up and it's like, God, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm good today. Man, I feel good today. But it doesn't make one day better than the other. It just means that One day versus the other, I have to do whatever I have to do to make sure that I can keep doing it day after day after day. It wouldn't be any good if I could live for God for five years and then become Pastor Lot the alcoholic for about a couple years and then come back and be Pastor Lot again and then then I, you know, run off with another woman and then come back and be Pastor Lot again for a couple more years and then it don't work, does it? You got to do it every day, day in, day out. You say, how do I do that? I can do all things. Go with me to verse 9. Let's go back to verse 9. Let me show you. You keep doing it. Here's what it says. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of of peace, the God that gave you that peace, will be where? Let me tell you something I know every day. There's not a moment in my life, there's not a day in my life, there's not a second in my life that God is not standing right beside me. Now, I may not feel it all the time. 
But there's not a moment or a second of my day that I don't know that God is standing right beside me, right there fighting with me. Paul said, if I'm sitting right here in this prison, if I'm sitting right here in chains, God's right here with me. If I'm on that ship, God's right there with me. If I'm shipwrecked, God's right there with me. If a snake bites me, I just shake him off in the fire and sit down because God's sitting right beside me. I can keep doing it day after day because I know He's always with me. He never leaves me, never forsakes me. He's with me to the end of the way. So the only one that can foul it up It's me raising my head and saying, God, you see God, you see all this. I don't see how we're going to get out of this, God. And God's like, get your head back down, Tim. How did you get here? I don't know. Then that's how you're going to get to the next place. Head down, one foot in front of the other. And ever so often when you look up, you're like, wow. I got up on the top of that thing. Yeah, you did. You can do all things to Him because I'm giving you the strength to do it. Will you stand? If the Apostle Paul was standing here today, he would say, this is the key to you moving from where you feel like you're under problems all the time or problems are always piling up on you to where you live your life on top. It's your attitude. It's a pattern of living how I'm going to praise God and rejoice in God, how I'm not going to be anxious, but I'm going to pray in all things, prayer and supplication, how I'm going to keep moving forward, how I'm going to not let my mind get bogged down with negative things. I'm not going to sit there and listen to and watch and do all the... I'm going to catch everything that doesn't belong. Anything that says I can't, and I'm going to push it to the side. Say, no, no, no. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can endure this. I can go through this. If God doesn't heal it or remove it or anything, I can go through it. I can make it. Because greater is He that's in me than anything that's in this world. And if you're here tonight, there is a salvation side, a spiritual side that God gives you and says, you got my peace. And there's a whole bunch of people walking around in the world that if you ask them, are you saved? Yeah, I'm saved. But tell me about your life. Oh, Lord. That's another story. Because they don't understand that the two are supposed to run together. Yes, there's a peace when I get saved, but there's also a peace that passes understanding. And that happens because I run the race. That happens because I'm an overcomer. That happens because from the moment he said, you're in my family, that means I was born to be a winner. You say, well, are you sure? Well, James would later say, he says, this is a victory that overcomes the world. In other words, it doesn't lose. If you're in here tonight and you feel like, I am under it, Brother Lot, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to turn on your radio. And you need to go home and find Christian radio on your TV if you got it. You need to pump and pump and pump until you can get up in the morning and, and know I'm, I'm waking up rejoicing. Because it's, it's a command to start your day, to start your life. Rejoice always. And I say again, rejoice. Choose the attitude that you're going to go through the day with and it starts everything in the process. If you're here tonight, say, Pastor, I need that. Then, then go do the work. Train yourself.
to be a, a worshiper. Train yourself to be someone who is renewing your mind to handle the heel that's coming. To handle the heel that's coming. Because I hate to break it to every one of you. Here's another heel coming. There's another heel coming. You think, oh Lord, I finally got through. Well, let me just give you good news. There's another one coming. But God's given you the ability to overcome them all. But you have to prepare and be ready. Before the sickness, before the, the, the kid tells you something that breaks your heart, before, before you go through the problem, before the boss, before the job falls apart, before any of that, you already have to have the attitude chosen. Will you bow your heads? Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you I don't, I don't know how to say it in the correct way, but thank you for letting Paul go through everything he went through. I know that sounds strange that he had to go through the shipwrecks, he had to go through. But the Apostle Paul said, I've learned. I've learned that whatever state, I've learned to be content. I've learned. God, I'm, I'm thankful that you allowed him to go through to show us a picture of what it is to learn. To learn to choose to praise you regardless. To, to learn to bring everything to you in prayer and, and to lay it down and to keep our head down and our body moving forward. God, I thank you that Paul learned how to keep stuff out of his mind. And, and I thank you that God he came to the realization that there's nothing in this world that's strong enough or mighty enough that if he would keep going, could stop him from his destiny. God, I've been spending a lifetime wanting to learn that and trying to learn that and trying to perfect that in my life. And I hope that the people that I'm speaking to right now, that they get this, that they grasp this, that they make these notes. These are things I have to do. These are, this is what I have to do to move above in life. Attitude determines my altitude. My attitude determines my height. God, I want to fly high. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.